This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. More news coming out of Victoria today. and Let's find out about that. Richard Zuspin, our global news reporter in Victoria, joining us now to talk about it. Good morning. Good morning, Simi. How are you today? I'm doing great. Oh, good. Too early, really, to assess exactly how I'm doing. <laughs> you know but what? Wise so far, words. So good. Wise words for Richard <laughs> this morning. Uh, but it's going to be another busy day of kind of provincial announcements. And this one coming up at 10 this morning from Shane Simpson. This is a big one. Yeah, this is a substantial one. And it's one that uh, we've been waiting for for a little bit. It is supports for those who are living on disability and income assistance. And I've been hearing a lot. Uh, from those on disability assistance yeah. concerned about the programs being unveiling so far and not being targeted towards them. There's also a lot of concern around uh, the amount that's received that's allotted for uh, the shelter rate uh, to pay for housing. And there's a hope from those on disability that there's some flexibility there to help uh, ensure that uh, they can move some money around from their disability check to both cover rent, but also to ensure they can t- continue to afford the essentials. You know, a lot of people on disability, you know, so many British Columbians rely on, uh, you know, in some cases, full-time work, but also part-time work to supplement uh, their income if they do receive assistance. And, and that part-time work has all but disappeared because of the crisis. So, uh, the hope from those on disability and those on income assistance is there will be some greater flexibility uh, to allow them to continue to afford to live their lives. You know, it's it's so tough. The, the, these people, many of them are the most vulnerable in the province, and it's tough uh, being on income assistance and being on disability, and this situation makes it even harder. So there's a hope that uh, Shane Simpson at 10 o'clock this morning will announce Uh, some supports to ensure uh, that there's support there, but also some flexibility there as well. Right. Okay. As you said, I've been getting those same kinds of emails from people too, saying, wait a minute, everybody else is getting assistance and help, but not people who are disabled. So we'll wait to hear more about that. Uh, Let's talk about yesterday's update too from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix. And I thought it interesting that uh, one of the big questions that Dr. Henry continues to get asked now is, should we all be wearing masks? Yeah, and that was, and this comes also from uh, a call internationally that a lot of countries are starting to require uh, that people wear masks when they go out in public. And Dr. Henry was asked about the science of that, whether you know she believes that that's good science and it should be applied uh, to British Columbia as well. And she said, you know, she has spoken about masks in the past. She said there's a lot of conversations happening um, at a national and international level after the World Health Organization started endorsing the community use of masks. But ultimately, what Dr. Henry said is the science is still unproven around whether uh, it stops you from getting the virus if you're wearing a mask. She said there's science there that says it prevents you from spreading the virus right. if you're wearing a mask, especially those droplets, but there's no science yet on whether it stops you from getting it. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I would be surprised if the provincial government mandates all British Columbians to wear masks, but I wouldn't be surprised as people are watching news from around the world that more British Columbians start 
uh, making masks at home and wearing them. Yeah. The other issue here as well, Simi, obviously, is the supply of these masks. And they're they're running low. And Dr. Henry says the priority is to ensure that healthcare workers have access to these masks. And if the general population is all required to wear them, then the supply would disappear immediately. And so, you know, they're trying to weigh the benefits and also the potential uh, risks associated with, with making a requirement like that. Right. Although I feel like when I go out and about, uh, more and more people are wearing them just on their own. Do you see that as well? Yeah, I haven't been out very often, but I did notice on the weekend when I was at the grocery store, at least people wearing scarves over their faces and and some people wearing masks. But, you know, as you mentioned, I think there will be more and more of this. And I think as people see the news from around the world, and, and even if there's a little bit of science indicating that it could help, I think people will, if they can, start moving towards that. But again, the push is to make those masks at home. Don't go online and buy these. Uh, you know, we saw a story last night on uh, the news hour from Paul Johnson of somebody illegally selling masks out of the back of their vehicle yeah. and they were busted by Richmond police. Do not go that route. You know, that is now against the law uh, to sell those products that are being hoarded. Uh, so, you know, the priority should be to keep yourself safe however you can. But if you do want to wear a mask, the recommendation from Dr. Henry is to make one at home. It's relatively simple. And then you can wear that if, if it makes you feel an extra uh, layer of protection. Oh, I've got one of my aunts doing this and she's already been flooded with orders just from family members. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely Great. getting popular out there. I also want to talk about elective surgery here because this is a huge concern. With all the surgeries cancelled for the foreseeable future, how are we ever going to catch up? Yeah, and it's a great question. And Health Minister Adrian Dix gets emotional as emotional Adrian Dix gets when asked about this issue because he made it a huge priority when he came into office as the health minister to prioritize elective surgeries. And I did a story before all of this started about the work that had been done to cut down wait times on surgeries linked to Parkinson's, obviously hip and knee replacements, like so many elective surgeries had seen wait time slash dramatically. Yeah. And now because of this and canceling all elective surgeries, we're now stuck in a situation where we're gonna have a massive backlog. So yesterday, uh, Adrian Dix was asked about it again, and he was clear for the first time on how they will prioritize things when this is over. And he said, we are going to do everything humanly possible to get everyone in who had those surgeries canceled as quickly as possible. Clearly there are capacity issues, right? There are capacity issues with the equipment, there are capacity issues with the doctors and capacity issues in the hospitals themselves. But the province is going to invest, they said they are going to fight uh, that list, cutting down that list as hard as they fought the spread of COVID-19, which as we know right. has been substantial. So it's going to be interesting to see. And, and Adrian Dix just wants to send the message to those maybe that are listening now that have had surgeries canceled. He knows how hard it is. He knows in many cases, although they're called elective surgeries, they can be life-altering surgeries, and they will do everything possible to clear that backlog uh, when all of this is over. Okay, that's something definitely for a lot of people to look forward to. Also, Richard, what do we know about the province kind of allowing, it's kind of all hands on deck, right, when it comes to enforcement right now? Like, what are they doing? 
Yeah, this was an interesting change that was announced uh, yesterday in terms of moving resources around a little bit. And it, and it's still a little bit unclear exactly what enforcement officers will be able to do, but they're moving a number of government employees uh, in different areas of the government in order to then be out and help enforce uh, people breaking the rules around uh uh, the COVID-19 restrictions. So these are new guidelines to support compliance and the provincial health orders, officers orders. And, uh, you know, part of the ability these uh, officers will be able to do is they'll monitor facilities, provide warnings, information and advice to businesses and members of the public about public health, but not write tickets. And so it's all about you know, getting out there and providing information. And it includes liquor and cannabis control and licensing inspectors, gambling enforcement, investigation officers, and community safety personnel. So not typically people who would be out in the community interacting, but it really right. is an information campaign. I think one of the things, Simi, is there are people out there in the public who want to see the government ticket heavily those who are breaking the rules. Yeah. You know, we've heard a lot of questions around, you know, if if I see someone break the rules, should they be punished? Will they be punished? How do I, you know, ensure the authorities know that they're breaking the rules? Yeah. And it seems the next step now from the province is get more people out there to spread the message about the rules on the ground, provide warnings and information. Mm -hmm. But this potentially could be the next step to increased enforcement, especially if we're looking at these restrictions into May and June. Right. And people start saying you know, enough is enough, I'm just going to go live my life, uh, the province at that point will be forced to react and will be forced to start applying stricter uh, fines and penalties to people right. who are breaking the rules. All right, Richard, thank you. Thanks, Amy. That's Global News reporter in Victoria, Richard Zuss.